0: Hi, and welcome to episode four of the Final Whistle League of Ireland podcast. I'm joined once again by Dean Zambra. Dean, you're very welcome back to the show. Thanks, Bethany. Good to be back on. I almost introduced you as Dean Zambra, captain of the League Leaders Longford Town, which we didn't know about when we kind of were planning out this week's schedule, but we've been greeted with that lovely occurrence this week. Um, You must be absolutely flying after the weekend's results.
1: Yeah, obviously delighted to get off uh, to a win on the first game, first night. Um, We planned all week and we've been working hard all pre-season. So delighted to get the the rewards at the end end of the night and, you know, not getting carried away at all. It's it's three points and, you know, long, 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 long way to go. So happy with the three points and uh, moving on to Boas now.
0: That's kind of why I did say it, because I, I realized that it is very, very early stages. Yeah. Nobody's looking at a league table yet, but the, the truth is that you are top of the league. Let's talk about year game first, uh, when we're looking back over the weekend's action, because I suppose it is the surprise of the weekend. Most people would have tipped you. Most of the predictions I saw had you, if not 10th, definitely no higher than 9th in any uh, kind of predictions from anywhere across the league. Nobody would have had given you a hope. Of winning that game on Saturday evening and yet, from the off, you took the game to Derry. Tell me about what it was like, I suppose. What was the build-up in, in the camp? Are you surprised by the result?
1: Um, no, it doesn't surprise us. I think we, like I said, we had worked on it, um, worked on a game plan, worked in pre-season about what we wanted to do and how we wanted to approach the season in general, but also the first game with Derry, so it didn't come as a surprise. I think we knew we could get the result if we put in the effort and put in the work right? and um, you know we don't we done really well. Uh, could have scored a couple more goals. Um, there was a little couple of patches in the game where they were in the ascendancy, but we held on and we, we defended well. Center halves in particular were very good. Um, a lot of headed clearances. So, um, I thought we were fairly solid throughout and and looked creative and could have scored more goals. So thought we were we were worth the three points in the end.
0: Do you think Derry might have been a little bit guilty, maybe, of of reading too much into the expectations coming into the game and thinking they might pick up three easy points?
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, I'd say Decky probably would have liked a little bit more out of the lads, but you, you always, you know, first game of the season, you just don't know how it's going to translate. It's a difficult, act- it's a difficult trip for Derry to even come down to, to Longford like so... Um, i'm sure he'll write the ship there pretty quickly if not next week then, then at some point during the season so um we just focus on our on ourselves Um, we don't we do our work and from from Derry's perspective I, I think they'll look for a little bit more but you can definitely see they've got good players and they're not far off and maybe a break of a ball or we don't get the early goal that could have been a totally different game so you know we are delighted that it went their way but I don't think they're going to be far off once once they get their their feet under them in the new season.
0: Yeah, but that's probably underselling your achievement on the night as well because I don't think it was just a case of getting an early goal and then backs the wall. You did play, no. you did create chances, uh, and when you got the second opportunity, you did take it very well. So in terms of, it wasn't a smash and grab is what I'm trying to say effectively. You, you deserved the 2-0 victory on the night.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I thought of kind of the majority of the game, we were in the ascendancy, and like you said, the chances that we're in the game more so were, were for ourselves. Um, I think Derry had quite a number of set pieces, and towards the end, we're putting on a bit of pressure, but as I mentioned earlier, our defensive line, the goalkeepers in particular, are very good and, and still at that point, and we didn't really give anything away and I as I said felt we were dangerous throughout as well. So, you know, any of the, the good creative chances seemed to seem to come from us. So I thought we were we were a good value for the three points.
0: For all the talk of new arrivals over the last couple of weeks, it, it had a very familiar Longford Town feel to it yourself, A. Lee, Stacey, Dylan Grimes, uh, and many, many more players that would have featured in the first division over the last couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, well, I think Dara laid that out, that he, he believed in the group that was in the first division. He signed most of us back and uh, he added one or two in. Aaron O'Driscoll played at centre-half uh, his first competitive game for us and done really, really well. But um, as he's mentioned, as Darrell's mentioned before and we'll probably see throughout the season everyone will have a role to play. There'll be, there'll be different games for different players and um, he might have went with some lads that he, had tr- that he trusted or had been around more for the first game in particular, but again we all got to keep pushing each other and pushing each other and we've got another difficult one coming up uh, with Bowers this weekend
0: and of course you we talk about um teams coming up from the first division and keeping faith with the players that got them there uh draw had a sign back a large chunk of their squad that won that division last year they on Friday night were in action they kicked off the whole league campaign and they they got a 1-0 victory over over Waterford they left it very late I don't know if you caught the game at all uh bit fortuitous with the goal, but probably on the balance of play, did deserve to win the game. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think they did shade it uh, just about on the night. Um, I think Drodda gave exactly what you'd expect from from Tim Clancy's team. uh, Very similar to their first division performances. Like a lot of energy, a lot of hearts. um, Got the ball forward, getting a lot of crosses in, trying to put the defensive line of Waterford under pressure and it was probably that pressure that kind of wore it down and wore it down in the end and they got the goal Um, obviously it was a cross come shot across the box and it was deflected in unfortunately by, by the defender but that's the type of team draw there it's, it's an all go uh, type of performance a lot of energy small pitch up there as well so they cover the ground they're always at you and just chip and chip and chip and like you said probably just shaded it you know it, it was a decent enough game for the, for the first game of the season and uh. Just, just about you, it. Yeah. If it was a draw, I don't think either of them would have complained too much. But, but Tim would, uh, would be happy that they they dug it out in the end.
0: Yeah, and of course, in terms of Friday night, obviously Shamrock Rovers and St Pat's probably the the main game of the weekend coming into it. Um bit of a damp squib for huge parts of this game, I thought. I didn't think really really either team got into the first half at all. Um, And they both left it quite late. But when they left it late, boy, did they make it entertaining for that last five or six minutes, Uh, maybe the last two or three minutes of the 90 and a bit extra time. Um, I didn't see any of that coming, and it was just... It It really got the hair in the back of the neck standing when the two. They both went at each other for the last five or six minutes of that game. It was like a heavyweight, knowing they're going to lose on points and just saying, "Okay, I got to knock them out." And they both went at it. And how I just loved the last five ten minutes of that game.
1: Yeah, like you said, maybe played a, like a preseason level a little bit or a preseason kind of tempo for 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 large parts, but um it's also the first game so like people are feeling each other out even tactically you know St. Pat's looked really well organized really fit Rovers obviously the champions up to them they're at home the onus is on them to press a little bit more like both teams probably kind of going towards a draw and then out of nowhere like you said exploded uh, Robbie Benson's cross deflected in obviously and then straight away kind of Rovers come right back at them and, and as you said the, the five or six minutes in, a, in that period was was really good and really high tempo and uh, the cross and the header for Sean McRover's equaliser from Aaron Green was brilliant, uh, brilliant, brilliant header. He's he jumped out of nowhere. Cristiano Ronaldo liked the way he's uh, left up there and, and headed into the corner and actually beat uh, the Pats keeper who, who was brilliant on the night as well in his first game. Uh, young Czech boy, uh, done really, really well for Pats yeah. and... You know, that was probably all that was going to beat him. A brilliant header or a brilliant shot or something into the corner that he couldn't get to, you
0: know. Yeah, me for the, for the weekend, definitely on Friday night anyway. He was probably my player of the night. I thought he was excellent. And that's without saying, Pats did, weren't outclassed by Rovers, I thought, on on Friday night. Rovers probably shaded it if, you, if I had to pick a, an eventual winner. um, But the way they responded to that late goal was just something else. But I thought that guy, um, Jaros, I think is his name, uh, in yeah. in... For for Pat's, I think he's just a class above what we what we've seen from some of the the teams in the last couple of years, and I think he could be the difference between Pat's having a successful European push and not. And I know, I know he's on loan for the season, and he could be a huge addition to Pat's this year. I think he I think he's going to be the find um, in terms of the games coming in. Let's move on to Saturday night. We've already touched on your own game it has put you top of the table as you mentioned on goal difference from the two most unlikely bedfellows at the top of the table, Finn Harps, and of course Drogheda who won on Friday night, but Harps, they hosted Bohemians in Bally Buffet, um, you obviously were playing at the time, have you had a chance to look back at the game on Watch LA?
1: Yeah, seeing most of the game back, um, obviously we talked to Stephen Fall a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about wanting to, to make it a fortress at home up there, and that was always going to be a difficult game for both, you know, first game of the season to go up to, to Bally Buffet, and um, again, I think parts of it have done, done quite well, and, and parts Finn Harp's done, it was probably, again, a, a nip and tuck game, not a huge amount in it, and I think Keith will just be a little bit disappointed with the error that led to the goal, you know, and if it had been a point that they took away from there, they, they might not have been too disappointed, with it would have been the first game of the season, but uh, this division, you make you make errors, and uh, they get punished, you know, so they were beaten by, basically, the, the error on the night, and and uh, Oli would be delighted, Finn Harps would be absolutely delighted to, to kick off the season with uh, three points.
0: Yeah, they won last year, I think, on the opening day against Sligo, um, and and then struggled from there on in for a while until they picked up towards the end of the year. So we will be interesting to see if they can really build on that. I think they're stronger this year than they were last year. I think bows are probably not quite at the level they were at last year yet. I think when those players that they have brought in start to click, I think they may do damage in that division, but I think uh, a a great game, and I actually really enjoyed it. I was kind of flicking, I had three games on the one screen, trying to flick between them on Saturday evening, and it was was tough. Uh, That final third game on Saturday evening was obviously the The trip from the FAI Cup winners, Dundalk, made the journey to Sligo. It hasn't been a happy hunting ground for them over the last couple of seasons. They've lost there in last season and the season before. Um, And they nearly lost last night again. I don't know if you caught the the way the game ended. I love this game. This was my favorite game of the weekend in terms of end-to-end chances, mistakes, goals, it had almost everything, bar a brawl, which obviously we, we don't want to see, but it had <laughs> everything. It was just one of those games that you kind of would absolutely love to have been in the showgrounds for.
1: Yeah, and there was good quality in the game as well, you know, so uh, Liam Buckley's team always play that kind of style, and you're expecting it from him. He's obviously brought in a couple of players as well to bolster that, that quality this year, so no surprise there. Like you said, they've kind of been a torn aside for Dundalk as well, so... I don't think anyone was surprised again that it was a difficult game. Uh, We spoke as well about Dundalk and, you know, bringing in a lot of uh, new players. Could they gel them together quickly? We've obviously seen a little bit of um, hullabaloo there about the manager situation as well. So we're not entirely sure what we were going to get from Dundalk, but, you know, they looked okay. They looked okay in patches, but I think Sligo shaded it again and, and our friend Alan Keane was uh, adamant that they should have, they should have won it. You know, I seen him tweeting out after the game. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, they they really done well in the game, and and probably if that goal stands, they, they they run out winners.
0: I I looked at it earlier today, and I just had a a quick look back over it, and I paused it, and paused it, and paused it, and, paused it and I I truly believe he was onside. He came from behind the play and, and stroked it to the back of the net. I think it's just a mistake from the linesman. It happens. I do think on the balance of a season, it'll make little to no difference. I think if you look back at, uh, even if you look back at encounters between Sligo and Dundalk last season, for example, I, I think there was definitely decisions that went in Sligo's favour that probably change the game in their favour and I think they do balance each other out. It's really hard to take on the day though and I can only imagine how I rate uh, Leah Buckley and John Russell and and the whole Sligo crew down there. I know they're very passionate down the showgrounds and I'd say uh, there was a few choice words said at various stages. In terms of that game though, I was very impressed with Johnny Kenny and I know we've spoken about him. I don't want to big him up. He's only 17. He's only a youngster but he made some impact and It was he. He created that opportunity for David Colley to cross for that chance at the at the end of the game. But um, there's a really good group of youngsters coming through that academy in Sligo now.
1: Yeah, they look really, really bright, and I think something that I'm noticing, like whether it's social media or or other forums, you know, word of mouth getting around that this like this is a good player and you know really really exciting player, and people seem to be. Um, I know they can't come into the grounds but it's that kind of feeling that people want to kind of come and see, you know that way so I think that's that's basically where they're, they're at with these young players that there's, a, there's an expectancy or an excitement around them and whenever a young player comes through the academy into the first game out, whatever level of football it is, there's always that kind of excitement from the fans because it's kind of deemed one of your own or, or possibly is a player that people know or from from the local area, we've got ourselves with, with A. and obviously a Longford like that. There's a vested interest in in the people and, and the town and the, and the fans because this is a, a player that has been there as a fan, come up through the academy, come up through the all the different ranks and is now a first-team player. So again, Sligo have a little bit of that with, with some of these young players and Sligo always been a great catchment area for, for football. So, um it looks like it's going to continue because there's some very very bright prospects and like you said don't want to get too carried away with just with just Johnny but um they look really good they look really bright
0: a bright future for the bitter red down in sligo but i think i think as as we've been seeing these talents coming up from all the clubs through the national league i think we're going to find in time that the national league underage structures are really going to increase the the quality of players throughout all the clubs at National League level. Anyway, that's our review of last week's games complete. Uh, We might have a chat with a couple of our guests before we take a look maybe at the fixtures. At the end of the show, we're going to be chatting to Bray Wanderers Gary Shaw later in the show and Tom Murphy of Wexford, their goalkeeper from last season, is going to be talking about how their pre- preseason has gone and how his own struggle and fight to keep that number one shirt from marauders who are coming into Wexford and trying to take it off his back. Uh, we'll be talking about that in the show later on. But first, we're going to go down to the Treaty City and have a chat with their manager, Tommy Barrett. Of course, there are a new side in the first division this year. A new side in the league, in the shape of Treaty United, and we're joined by their first team manager, uh, Tommy Barrett. Now, Tommy, you're very welcome to the programme.
2: Thanks, briefly. Thank you. Thanks to Heidi.
1: Hey, Tommy, how are you?
0: Tommy, nice. welcome to the league. Not that you've not been here before, but welcome to the league as the manager of Treaty United. Uh, what's your kind of your thoughts and and hopes for the for the next twelve months as as the coach of the team?
2: Hey, yeah, look, obviously, just to compete in every game and, and, and see where it takes us. Um, you know, I know people are sick of hearing the, the old cliché take it game by game, but I suppose there's not much else we can do, you know, um, uh, from, a, from a starting point. Uh, you know, I've been asked that question around expectations by nearly everybody now at this stage, the last, two, last four or five weeks. Um, and I suppose to explain the cliché probably is the way to go about it, really. Um like I don't I don't believe in setting goals anymore you know I used to in the past but I think you know I actually came up with a conversation with my wife actually she, she was saying like you're setting limits and she's probably right and, and if you're limiting yourself like if we're happy with winning four or five games you know that sets us on a negative straight away so you know we're not going to set limits and, and we're going to take it game by game I suppose is, is the, definitely the way we're going to look at it you know.
1: Yeah, Tommy, just um how quickly did you have to assemble this squad? Were you able to kind of fill out a group of lads before you kind of got the license, or was this all a, a quick push since uh, the license came down kind of a couple of weeks ago?
2: Yeah, we do we were hearing we were hearing soundings that we were going to get the license that you know we might get it with a good possibility of getting it, but you couldn't contact um junior players Dean. So right. you know, with the budget we were gonna have, it was gonna be an amateur budget. So I was kind of in touch with a few of the the ex Galway lads because you know a lot of the other lads were snapped up Um, so you know like Jack Lynch and um, Mark Ludden and a couple of other lads up in Joe Collins and Conor Melody and there was a few more actually And um, the current I was chatting to as well a bit but um, you know we I was talking to a few lads before that as well like obviously like the Will Fitz, the Limerick based lads and Killian Bruder and that but they all had got clubs at that stage so You know, and it was a bit mental thing, to be honest. It wasn't nice. It wasn't great because you're like, those lads are ringing, you know, will there be a team and, you know, they're saying, will we hang on because it's locally based? And I'm like, no, lads, you have to look after yourself. You have to sign with a club like, you know, so the lads have to go to Derry and Cove and and Harps and that. And, you know, obviously I'm I'm not going to stop them, you know, because I couldn't, you know, because we weren't sure. And then I think on the 22nd, I couldn't speak to junior players because, you know, you can't speak to um, again it would have been hypothetical and it's, I suppose it's not the right thing to do anyway and then you're only causing friction with junior clubs down here and you don't want to be doing that either um, so yeah it was it was messy and it was like a two day job getting getting the team together and look it shouldn't happen you know yeah. but uh, and I think I spoke about it already look it has happened now and we have to move on <laughs>
0: Speaking of two-day jobs, Tommy, I suppose our paths crossed a couple of years ago. um, There was, obviously, discussions about the future (coughs) of Limbaugh. you were the manager at the time, and I was part of a group coming in, trying to help the club. Um, It didn't work out from our point of view, but we we kind of... um, I thought we got on pretty well for the couple of days we were there together. We had some really, really good in-depth conversations about the future of the club. Can you tell us a bit more about, I suppose, the whole origin of Treaty? Because what you've done is effectively what we would have chatted about and would have been, I suppose, the plan that you've had for a long time about the future of senior football in the whole Midwest region and in Limerick City in particular.
2: Yeah, look, and I think that's that's the thing. It's it's not to get it's to get us, and we keep using that word sustainable and stability, you know, those words. And and I think that has to happen with this um this club because, you know, Limerick football, Limerick senior football has been, you know, let's be honest about it, it hasn't been great for, you know, as far as I can remember. Like I'm forty two, gone on forty two this year, and like as long as I can remember, we were twenty years in the first division. And, you know, when we got up, big budgets got us up um in both 2012 and 16. um and that's not suspect to suspect the managers or, or, or anything like that or are the people involved in the club but you know they were big budgets um and you know that's that's what got us up essentially and then you couldn't afford to stay in the, in the premier League and and we went back down fairly quick again you know so um I think we have to you know look People won't like me saying this, but like the, the players and the uh, the players are in Dublin and, and the surrounding areas and we can see that, you know, because of the population base and because they have put, you know, built good clubs early on, like the likes of St. Kevin's and Joseph's Boys and all those teams and outside of that, it's Cork and Galway and Waterford have improved immensely in the last few years as well. And you've seen that and you see that at the top of the tree as well in international football, senior internationals. We haven't had a senior international from Limerick. Um, in the last 40 years, you know, Johnny Walsh is the last one 40 years ago and, um, you know, and for a, a, a sporting city and, and, and a, a city perceived as a soccer city, as a football city um, and a football county, we haven't got that. So that that shows to me that there's problems and there's issues and, you know, um, we, we participate quite well in, 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 a lot in, in, in football, but, you know, we haven't got that elite to the elite level and I don't use that word lightly because you know it's been bandied about a bit God, right at elite level but certainly professional players we haven't produced them you know even around the league the last few years we're, we're, we're getting a few now since, in fairness since the league of Ireland Andridge came in we have lads playing as we said in Harps um, Pats you know Derry and, and the likes of that um, and a few lads in Galway now and before that there wasn't too many players from this region playing in the league. You know, you could name them on one hand in the last 15, 20 years. You know, Bobby Ryan is, is a prime example. Uh, Barry Ryan, obviously, is from Ennis um, would have played. You know, obviously, we cover Clare as well. But there is there is definitely, we need to look at the bigger picture down here. And you know, there is problems there because we're not producing players. And, and you know, I got hammered for that when I said it a couple of years ago because we're so successful in junior and that. But at the end of the day, that's junior soccer, and that points to a bigger problem throughout the country. I think you know we're very parochial in our thinking. I think still in this country, and um, like even the likes of, with the Shamrock Rovers being one, and I know people would disagree me with with when I say that I think they should have been left in because they were a bit of fresh air last year, and and it's 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 the next level because we don't have an underage system in this country um for the lads the, the 19s to progress on to 21s why not they're playing against men and they're producing players i know people might say it's unfair because it's rovers but that's the, that's the standard we have to get though you know if, if if we haven't got a a pyramid system these players have to play somewhere you know as far as I I, I I i as far as i think anyway i think that we need to get more professionalized and we need to create that industry uh, and if we keep doing the same thing over and over it's just madness that's my yeah, just
1: touched, sorry, uh, Tommy. You just touched on the obviously ups and downs of, of football in Limerick. and <coughs> I'm just looking at the women's team that was set up last year, and even some of the social media stuff. The kit there with Umbro, I actually think it's very impressive what what 3D have done. The membership, the um that the club have brought forward. Do you actually think the platform is there for you know the the improvements to, to come about that you're talking about? Yeah, I think I think it is, Dean. I
2: you know, think. The- you know, we need to get the like. There's no real. Um, I think we need to get the off-the-field off the stuff right first. You know, like you mentioned there, the membership. We need to get our own ground, You know, the markets field isn't our own, but we certainly need. You know, to get a better partnership and a better deal there, where you know, um, we're anchor tenants, and and that it, it's good for us as well, and it's good for the whole city and the whole region. Um, and we have to get a build up partnerships, maybe with colleges and universities, or, or develop our own training facility. We don't have a football specific training facility in this region, um, and I think that's a, that's a that's a big issue as well, you know. Um, so like you're paying the costs of that alone, and costs of running the club are, are very very high. And you know yourself, if if the money is going into those things, it's not going into, you know, where it should be going, where it's going to. Pay for top class coaches and uh top class academy and 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 essentially top class players you know so that's that's where we need to get it right first and and that might take a number of years then you know but yeah. I think this group um are going to do that like look I'm not going to be <clears throat> well I'm not say I'm not going to be I'm not going to put limits as we said earlier but it's unlikely that you know um I I suppose I'll put it this way. I'd rather see the club sustainable in the next four to five, six, seven years than than going up and, and going straight back down again. You know
0: yeah. You talked about some of the facilities that you're missing in the region, Tommy, but there are other opportunities within the the I suppose the, the Limerick region you've got LIT you've got UL in terms of actual training facilities you have for some reason and one of the legacies to be fair to the people involved with Limerick FC one of the legacies that took me by surprise uh, during that period two years ago was the number of highly qualified youth coaches in the region Uh, it seemed to be kind of a trade-off where people got licenses or help with licenses to be part of the coaching staff down there and there was I think maybe two dozen B or A licensed coaches there really is the nucleus of, of what you're talking about there just for it to be pulled together in terms of the group that are doing that pulling together I know you've got people of the caliber of Con Murphy is the chairman and former public official there with the county council Dave Mahidi's is well known to anyone in League of Ireland circles or UL circles over the last 20 30 40 years um <clears throat> is that group strong enough to pull that together in your opinion
2: yeah, I think it is. Look, we're training LIT at the moment and obviously with Dave Mahidi on board, there's strong links with um, the University, uh, University of Limerick and, and the, the ladies are training there. So, uh, and that's something we, we are definitely looking at. You know, I, I've um, kind of made the, the initial engagement with um, LIT ourselves, you know, and, and discussions, initial discussions, should I say, and they're, you know, they're expanding as well and they're expanding out to Kuna and I'm sure they're looking to, you know, well, hopefully they'll be looking to, to to partner with us in some way in the future as well, and 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 possibly you will with along with them. So it's definitely something we're looking into, um, and the board are looking into uh, as um, for the future. And I think that they are, they, are, the likes of that is the way to go. You know, it's the only way to go actually.
1: Just bringing it forward, Tommy, to the your own team and the group of lads you have coming into the first game here. Did you feel it was really important to add, uh, I know you mentioned some of those, Galway had like some League of Ireland experience to that squad so that when you come into this league, that you're competitive in every game and you can you can kind of find a way uh, to win games and get points on the board?
2: Yeah, Dean, I think that's, you know, it's very important. There's no point in us going in um, with a team of kids or, or junior players. We, we know disrespect to the junior players and that, but you know yourself, it's there's a big step up you know, from junior football and, and underage football to League of Ireland first division, you have playing it long enough. It's a, tough, it's a tough division, it's a tough league. And I think this year is going to be tougher than any year, you know, yeah. with the likes of the the Cork, Galway, uh, Shelburne. I think I can't remember anyone, any time three teams in particular have been full-time. In, not in my lifetime, I can't remember it anyway. I don't think it's ever happened, you know. So, Cork, as a Cork, Galway, Shells are definitely full-time. And then you have... Yeah like Bray last year were to kick a ball away from from um, winning the league. So then, and then on top of that, you have, um, you know, UCD are always strong. I have strengthened. Um, Harry Kenny's gone in to give uh, Brian Sullivan a hand down in, in Wexford, uh, uh, as far as I know. And like, they're, they're going to be strong with, with the players that pulled out of Pats and the likes of Alex O'Hanlon and Michelle Byrne, and that. So yeah, it was very important for us to get those three or four lads and, but even the even the, the lads we signed back from the junior clubs, I had to go with lads I knew, so a lot of them yeah. would have played with me before, even though the young lads, you know, like Clyde O'Connell and Jack Lint, where yeah. Jack was with Callway, but uh, Sean McSweeney, you know, was a good player and yeah um he you know that those boys are, are well capable of, of competing in the first division. it's just we're probably a bit behind now. You know Charlie Fleming was a good signing out of the car, he played in the Premier League last year, so yeah. we, we um we're a bit behind, obviously, from a from a fitness and and even organisation point of view at the moment. But you know, like you said, I think I hope anyway we're we're as competitive as we we, we can be. And um, going into the first game, it'll be tough for us this year. But I think we have lads that are you know they're all signed amateur and there's not there's no one playing. And you know, yourself, said, Dean, the lads out they're playing because they love it. They're not playing for the money yeah. anyway. That's for sure. Absolutely, you know, it's faster yeah. than money. So. Sometimes yep. you're better off with, with lads like that, good people, you know, before good players sometimes. You know, they're good players as it is, but, you know, you can get these these lads with massive reputations around the league and you put a bunch of them together and they don't work. So that's what I'm hoping will happen and, and we can get as many results as we can, you know.
3: Yeah.
0: In terms of metrics this year, Tommy, <coughs> is it fair to say that the most important one to you is just survive the season, break even, make the club uh, a force in the league? In five to ten years' time, rather than being competitive um, in every single game from day one.
2: Yeah, but look, you, you step out on the pitch, you want to be competitive. You know what I mean? Every game, you want to be competitive, no matter what. You know, you, you like you, you can't you can't take that out of players. And and I wouldn't I would look like, I wouldn't want it myself. You know, I, I I consider myself very competitive. You want to win every game, and you want to do your best in every game, no matter what. But yeah, it's not the, it's not the be all be all and end all if we. If we lose games or, you know, we're, we're anchored near the bottom, even though you know, I don't want to go into that negative mind frame or mindset because that can seep in as well. And you're just feeling sorry for yourself. So we certainly won't go in like that. Um, we know we're up against it, but, you know, that we're hoping that can galvanize us a bit as well and, and, and see where it takes us, you know
0: been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, as Um I think the work that's been done behind the scenes and off the pitch uh, down in Limerick over the last 18 months or 24 months has been huge. Uh, congratulations to you, the committee, and everyone involved down there. Uh, thanks for giving us your time this evening and the best of luck on Sunday against Bray and for the rest of the season. Thanks, thanks guys. Sunday. Best of
1: luck. Cheers. Cheers, Bye-bye. Okay, next up on the podcast, we speak to Tom Murphy, the Wexford FC goalkeeper. And we'd like to bring in Tom now. How are you doing, Tom? How are you, Zad? Very Great. well. How's things?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. How's all uh, down in Wexford, Tom? Uh, I suppose you've been the safest pair of hands down there for the last uh, little while. Um, you're looking forward to the new season?
4: Yeah, no, um, It's we've, ha- we've had a good pre-season. We kind of started early January and went full into it and we've just finished up there we played friday night our last pre-season game so we had kind of a tough run of pre-season games with who we played but uh definitely we we feel that we're ready and again we've brought in more new signings um especially off the back of last year so it'll be uh hopefully interesting to see how we get on against cabin friday night at home
1: yeah, like you said there, you've brought in a number of good players and I think even last year Wexford surprised people with some of the players they brought in and this year again the same, brought in a, a number of good players. Uh, obviously one, one player that's come in is Jamie Corker in the same position as yourself, Like, how do you find the, the competition and the battle for places there, specifically with yourself but throughout the team for for a jersey on, on a match like
4: yeah, it's good. Um, I think it's it's one of them ones where you can you can look at it two ways. You can either look at it, and some players might feel it as a threat, or then you look at it, and it'll probably keep you at the top of your game more so than anything. I think it's good that you kind of have competition, uh, because I think you can kind of fall into it if you're comfortable and you know you're playing. You can co- kind of fall into bad habits, and you kind of expect to be playing, whereas when you have competition there and especially of a good quality, it's keeping you on your toes. It's making sure that you're spot on in every session. I think we've kind of seen that throughout the whole of preseason with kind of all the positions in the team. It's probably it's definitely a difference on last year. Kind of last year you kind of have a sense of who was going to be in the starting eleven where it's it's very open now yeah. at the minute. And we've kind of tried new things in preseason, different formations, different players in different positions. And a lot of players have put a stake in a, a claim for the starting eleven come Friday night now.
0: Yeah, I think Tommy Bartlett let the cat out of the bag there, but Harry Kenny been part of the setup down in Wexford. What's Harry's role been uh, through pre-season?
4: Yeah, so Harry came in with us for a bit at the end of last season as well as as the assistant manager to Brian. He's come, t- luckily enough, we've got him back again this year as assistant manager again. And I think it, it, it's great to have him down. He has that experience because... We are a relatively young team. Uh, like, we do have a few older players in the squad, but a lot of us are only are maybe our second year at first team level, or our, some players are only just coming out of 19s football. So, having Harry then as well, then there to guide you who knows the league, because especially the first division, it's a very hard league, probably harder to get out of um, than the first or the Premier division. So, to have that experience and Harry that kind of knows the game and knows the players and kind of knows the managers of each team um, to bring in alongside Brian has been great to get in. And especially the, the kind of the players that Harry's been able to attract into the club as well as being
1: great. A lot of the talk around the league is going to be of kind of Shells, Galway, Cork City dropping down. Um, Is there any expectations within your own dressing room? Like do you see that playoff spot as being viable or competing high up the table? Like what is the expectation within the dressing room for, for that group of players?
4: I think definitely we want to be competing um in every game anyway I, I think we found last year what kind of happened is we kind of set expectations at the start of the season and then obviously COVID hit and we lost a lot of players throughout the season probably the team that the squad that we started the season with was far from the squad that we finished it with so and there was games kind of last year where we probably weren't as competitive as we should have been so we definitely be looking to tighten up on that and definitely being competitive in each game. We've been lucky enough we've actually got to test ourselves against the likes of Galway and Shells in pre-season, so we kind of know where we're in and at, around with them kind of teams. So we'll definitely be looking at being competitive and definitely climbing up a few places. We've kind of seen where we have finished the last few years um, around the bottom, so we'll definitely be looking at climbing up that table. But as you say, it's it's a, it's going to be a very strong league and a tough league this year with the likes of Shells and Cork and Galway and then you obviously have Bray and you have Atlone who's strengthened as well so it's it's going to be a tough league but hopefully we will be competing and we will be up and in around the the upper half of the table anyway
0: On a personal level of course we've talked about that competition for the jersey uh, you're out in first home game on, on Friday night in the league uh, do you have any indication as we speak now a week out maybe uh, who's going to be filling that jersey? Will you get the nod? Will Jimmy Corcoran get the nod? He's coming obviously from Dundalk in the off-season. Uh, what can you tell us about that?
4: There's none at all, if I'm honest. Uh, it's literally been so it, They're keeping their cards kind of very close to their chest for everybody, really. With every game we've kind of played, and this going for the whole team, with everybody's kind of split minutes, and everybody's played similar enough minutes. Um, and like I say, we've quite, we've changed formations up throughout the throughout the pre-season so we actually haven't really finalized a formation that that we're going to go to and i suppose come friday night whatever formation they pick they'll pick the best players that are suited to that to hopefully get the three points on friday night so i suppose it'll just be a hopefully a good week of training and then we'll see come friday night
1: yeah it's carbonellio first and uh, they've actually lost a lot of players and I know from my time with Devo, he, he kind of scrambles lads together and gets a team together somehow. Um is it difficult for you to approach that game or prepare for that game, considering, you know, the team that you played against last season probably completely different to the Cabinet uh, team you'll play against this year?
4: I think we'll probably still approach it kind of the same and I suppose it's it's kinda of one of them ones where it's when it's the first few games of the season, you kind of focus more on yourself than the opposition because yeah. not a lot of teams kind of showed our cards too much in pre-season um, and I think we even see that when you look at the results in the Premier Division this weekend like there was a good few shocks on the cards like you're seeing like a lot of people would have wrote use off this weekend dealing with uh, Longford yeah. and he's put, he's really dominated Derry so there you go and I think we'll probably see the same probably this week are coming in the first division I think it's one of them ones where the Cabo are always a team as you say they will lose players but they'll, they'll strengthen and I think what will be beneficial for them this season is bringing in Collie O'Neill there Um, has been a great manager he would have been the first manager I kind of dealt with when I came back from England at yeah. UCD and uh, him coming in with Devo there will um definitely benefit Cabo in the long term anyway Yeah obviously
0: there's a huge development in the number of quality players coming out of the underage leagues, but also quality coaches getting real national league experience at various levels now. How much has that raised the bar in that first division? Because we're talking about full-time teams, we're talking about professional players, we're talking about, you're, like you're saying, you were in the lower reaches of that division last year, but you're stronger again and everyone around you has strengthened as well. Is that a is that a factor maybe in terms of how those squads have, been, have improved over the last probably season or two in particular.
4: Yeah, I think, and definitely I think what's going to benefit even more this year is the coverage that it will get with League of Ireland TV. I think that's going to be massive for the league this year because I think even you look you look into uh, the likes of the under-21 squads and under-19 squads and squads like that where we are seeing more League of Ireland players coming into it. And take, for instance, there you had Brian Maher. That's a Braves for in the first division, and he's up in the twenty one squad. Um, so there you go. That like that just strengthens says the strength of the first division that you have international players playing in the league. And I definitely think, I, personally, I feel it's more beneficial, and it's probably better for players' development probably to stay at home probably a bit longer come home and play in the league rather than play 23s or a reserve team football in England because it's more beneficial and it's it's more realistic Um, because you're playing for points and especially at a younger age you're seeing players probably developing quicker and um, wh- whereas if they're probably in England they wouldn't get the chances that they're getting in the league like you will have to take a look at um some of the boys in the Premier Division like you have Dawson DeVoy, Andy Lyons, you have Aaron Bulger at Longford, A Dervin all of them players are under 21 and they have at least 20, 30 appearances under their belt at first team level. And like that, coming into the league, now you're starting to see younger coaches then as well. And um, better styles of football, Like you take for instance, like, like last year would have been my first proper senior year. And you had what i seen, like you're dealing with, say, Longford are playing out from the back. You're dealing with Bray playing out from the back, they're playing out from the back. It's not just... Kind of people look then at the first season and say, Oh, it's just long ball, stuff like that, where there is teams that are trying to play football, they're trying to play football in the right way. And it's it's teams are finding the balance now of mixing young players with the more experienced players as well. And that's only benefit in the league. And it's it's like you see last year, it's like Bray were literally a kick of the ball away from getting up, and then they don't even get up through the playoffs. And then you had say ourselves, you know, at Longford deals kinda kind of got in there yep. through the playoffs. And everybody um would have, again would have probably wouldn't have pitches to go up, so it just kind of shows you the strength of the strength of the league, and it's only gone from strength to strength again this year.
0: Never mind going up They're top of the Premier Division at the moment as well. <laughs> you, you touched on the LOI TV, um, and we haven't got the concrete details of that yet. I know a price has come out seventy nine euro. I think is the price for the season. Uh, it's great value for anyone who follows the league. Uh, even if it's just one team in the league you're interested in, €79 Euro still uh, a steal, really, to see all the games. It also has all the women's games for free, but of course, neither of you will be bothered about that, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll <we're laughs> just say that now.
4: There'll be, a, there'll be a, fee, a bit of interest there. Anyway, I think that's what myself and Dean have in common. At both of our um, girlfriends, our partners are playing
1: with P-Mounts, so... Yeah. We'll be logging on to p the p Mount streams. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so you're the uh, the male equivalent of the WAGs uh, when p are winning cups and leagues. Your partners have put it up to you last season. You've no pressure at all. That's, That's the The, team. Yeah.
1: the tro- trophy cabinets are full here with, with our partners. We need to chip in a and, little uh, bit, don't we, Tom?
4: We are, we're lacking a few medals if we uh, even come together. Maybe we might get near enough yeah. what they get in a season. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, listen, Tom, we're going to let you and the other half of the goalkeepers union go. Um, the very best of luck to you this season. Uh, best of luck on uh, Friday night as well uh, against Cabin Tealy. And I suppose that personal clash of the intrigue of the week and the excitement, I hope it doesn't get too much in terms of who'll be wearing that uh, jersey on the pitch on on Friday night. I know it's it's interesting from an outsider's point of view. I'm sure it's absolutely nerve-wracking from from your own personal point of view, but uh, the very best of luck for the season ahead.
4: Thanks very much. All
1: the best, Tom. Cheers, Ian.
0: Now, Dean, we're going to take a look at one of your former clubs, uh, Bray Wanderers. They are in the first division this year, and they came mightily close to snatching that league title last year. Of course, you upset the apple cart, not directly against them, but by winning the playoffs last year, and you've consigned them to another year. One person who might have a bone to pick with you about that is uh, their striker, Gary Shaw, and he joins us now. Gary, you're very welcome to the program.
3: How's it going, lads? Thanks for having me. There you go, guys.
0: Very welcome. Um do you have anything you want to say to Dean? Maybe uh smack across the back of the head for
3: Ah no look guys, look, they're they're jamming up been up there as it is. So look, we'll we'll let them have their for a moment. So hopefully we can swap positions uh, uh this time next year. We can have a chat again and we might be in different positions. So we'll see. But look, delighted that long for got the former club, obviously delighted that they got the winner off to a good start. But obviously it's a long season ahead, so we'll see how it goes.
0: You say a former club. There's a fairly lengthy list there. Not that lengthy, but a, there's a number <laughs> of clubs in the league. I suppose you've spent time at Pats, Rovers, uh, Longford, as you mentioned. Uh, now you're back with Bray. It's, uh, I think, your second or third season, back with them in your second spell. Um, how has it been going for you so far?
3: Yeah, as I said, it's my second spell with Bray. I've done full, gone full circle now. Started off in 2010 with, with Dino. Um, so, uh, look, it's... it's uh, you mentioned there in the intro that we came bitterly close to to winning the league. Still hurts a bit when you think back of you know what well, we had it in our hands with two games to go, and we kind of I suppose know where ready to put it. We threw it away um, against Galway, and then uh, took completely out of our hands. And look, fair play to Drotty, they um they earned their place at the top, and they're up in the Premier now. And we have to just battle on again this season.
1: Yeah, guys, just after the the initial lockdown and the stoppage of the league last year I thought you were the best team in the league coming back from, from that lockdown and certainly hit the ground running do you think uh, you're still equipped to to be one of the better teams in the league this year where obviously the introduction of Shell's full-time team Galway gone full-time another big name in Cork City there uh, do you still see yourselves as being equipped to, to challenge for the top spot? yeah absolutely obviously look um you know, you, 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 I
3: suppose in a way as a player behind the scenes, you kind of get worried and you see the players that have left the club before kind of new ones have come in. So you're kind of saying, right, I hope the manager gets, you know, gets replacement for these ASAP because you could see the kind of the power that Shells were having in the transfer market over Christmas. And they were kind of just buying every player that was available nearly. And uh, we we're just hoping that we'd get some players in. And I think the manager's done really well in his recruitment and um, we've had a couple of pre-season games and they've gone really, really well and players have set in nicely and um, it's such a competitive first division like I think it's the most competitive it's ever been in a long time and um, like with the clubs you mentioned big, big clubs some clubs going full-time you know, big names in there some players just they've played Premier Division football their whole life but they've, they've stayed and, and they're like the likes of Cork, they have players there that are sticking with them. So, you know, even the players that are huge experience, um, and I said previously to someone that, you know, that what happened to us last year is going to stand to us. Um, A lot of players there, they they, they felt that disappointment, that, you know, the frustration that we got so close, but yet so far. So I think that year under our belt is really going to stand to us, along with the players that have come in. I think um, we will definitely be there, thereabouts.
0: With Conor Hoey on the show last week, uh, chairman of Drada United, and he has tipped yourselves to be there at the top of the table come the end of the season. He said that Breyer has tipped for the league and Brandon Cavan is going to be, by a distance, his, was his words, a player of the season. Uh, from what you've seen in pre-season, would you echo that?
3: Yeah, look, Brandon has bags of potential. He's in. He was you know, obviously involved with Sean McGrovers too last year and he stood out by a mile with them and got a lot of goals for them and... Um, he just you know, was in a team that was he going to see first-team action this season? Probably not with the players they have. So he's looking, in fairness to him, he's made the decision to come to Bray. I'm sure he had his pick of the teams um, in the first division of what he, where he was going to go on loan to. And he's come to us, um, I'm hoping, because he sees the potential that we have to go and win it. and um, What he's done in pre-season so far, he's done exactly what he came to do he's you know got on the ball score goals assists you know he's changed changed games and um, for us in pre-season just by his his ability it's it's really is something special and he has a huge future in the game and um, but he needs to be playing and um, you know he needs to be playing games at his age and he's going to do that this season and I really think he's going to be a, a massive, massive part. And like you said there, um, he's absolutely been a shout with player of the year, but he has to perform on the pitch to do that. So if he can do it on a consistent basis, um, you know, he'll, he'll definitely be in contention.
1: Just uh, your own role in the team, Gary, you've obviously been a goal scorer every, uh, everywhere you've been. I think you got three against us last year as well, was it? Ah, yeah, but, just um, a three. Just a three, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, do you have any personal expectations, or- goals or you do that still kind of setting down things for yourself
3: you know yeah, as a goal scorer yeah, as a striker, you, know? you know like obviously um my role in the team you know it I, first, was first with bray i was just a young kid coming in just yeah. trying to get into the league and that kind of stuff but obviously this time around you know i'll be a more experienced player if this is my this is my 12th season 11th season in the league 11th or 12th season in the league so obviously that's change of you know 250 or so appearances, so I'm trying to bring that experience to the younger lads, doing what I can to help them. But you know, on a personal level, absolutely just setting goals myself, um, and yeah. and you know, doing what I can for the team on and off the pitch, and obviously trying to just trying to perform, score goals. You know, I, I always see myself as a very honest player, work ethic, and that kind of stuff, and getting the best out of the lads around me. And uh, I'll you know, do that till the day my legs won't let me, and yeah. uh. You know, if I can do that, I think um, you know, we'll be we'll ha- we'll have a great chance, I think, from from the spine of the team, Aaron Barry at the back, right through conor uh, Connor Clifford in midfield, myself up top. I think that experience there will really uh drive us on this year and um hopefully we can be lifting a league title at the end of it.
0: Obviously, your game this weekend has been moved to Sunday afternoon uh, because of Brian Myers' call up for the under twenty ones. How important is it to have that kind of pathway visible to the young lads coming through at Bray to see international players? Been happy to be at the Carlisle grounds.
3: Yeah, it's, look, it's so important for every club, and um, you have to have that. You know, you have to give that that kid coming through the vision of where you can get to, and um, you know, you have to present it in front of them and say, you know, if you work harder. If, you do X, Y and Z, that's where you can get to. And Brian, you know, he's a talented kid. He's, he's done a stint at Pats. He wasn't going to get in. He had Brendan Clark in front of him. It was going to be difficult. Brian came to us then, um, last season. And, you know, I'm, I really think Brian was, was our player of the year. He, he saved us on so many occasions. And um, literally, he, he deserves everything he gets out of the game because he put so much work into it as well. But, you know, younger players have to, they have to have that hunger and desire as well. It can't just be told about this pathway and this is what happens. And it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. And then, um, you know, Bray is a club where we, we do have a lot of young lads coming up to train and, and there's players there that they can look up to. Um, but it's, it's ultimately up to them and to go and want and have that desire and passion to, to reach the potential that they might
1: have. And know Gary uh, Gary Cronin obviously worked with him uh, at Longford and Play with him at Bray a uh, very good coach, very detailed, uh, how do you prepare for a team like 3 in the first game of the season, brand new club? It's, just... it's a strange
3: one, like it, it, it is, you know, brand new club, you you, know, you don't know what they're going to be about, you know a couple of their players, you know, I, I know yeah. Joel, Frame from Rovers, and that kind of stuff, but just as a club, and then obviously you don't have, still you don't have fans there, and that kind of stuff, so, it's a strange one. It, it it really is. It's it's you're just going to go in blind. Look, we'll obviously we'll obviously watch a couple of their preseason games, or we'll have we'll have games clipped and um, this week yeah. and we'll, we'll see their set pieces and and that kind of stuff. But you really can't focus too much on the opposition, and um, especially like the likes of us that we want to go and take the game to them, and we just have to go and oppose ourselves. But. Yeah, look, there will be surprises thrown in because we we won't know everything about them and what style they're going to have, you know, the players, the personnel. Like, we don't have a a base to work off. We don't have anything to work off last season, that kind of stuff, what they might do. So it it, it really is up to us to kind of just impose ourselves that, you know, they're nearly fearing us and we're not fearing them that kind of way you have to have that mentality going into it because it is really they can do all the prep they want on us because they can watch games last season whatever and the individual players but look it, it will be um it will be a, diff, a bit different than your normal prep for for the coaching staff but um like i said we want to go and just take the game to them and, and not have that they're, they're they're coming to brave so we, we need to make sure that um we're dominant at home this season that, that's gonna be a big thing yeah
0: speaking of I suppose and this question is to both of you really because you both played in that season 10 or 11 12 years ago um what's the big difference in in the league now from from now to then when you compare back when you think back to that season uh in terms of how you prepare how you focus the information that's available like you've just been talking about
3: um well from my point of view like just the amount of detail that goes into the prep now is unbelievable, like the like the, the clips, like the, the, this software you have, like I'm not sure what you use, like we use Huddle and the kind of software and the clips you get from it like are, are unbelievable. And just even even for yourself, getting your own clips of watching how you did in the game and your touches and all that kind of stuff and realizing what you actually did or the run you actually made or the pass you, you should have made or whatever it might be. You know, we have Pat Devlin um, and I don't know if you could even turn on a computer and <laughs> um, if you gave him one, you know what I mean. I'm sure that he he not uh, he won't be a fan of all that kind of stuff. But um, look, the game is always evolving and it's it's moving on. and that's why it's so technical now as well. It was really, you know, it it was 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago. It was um hard hitting, you know, big, strong phys, like the physical side of the game was really. But you know, you see the younger lads coming through, and you know, you do have a lot of a lot of young lads coming back from England where the game has just gotten so much more technical. So you know, the technical side of the game has gotten you know way more important and then um, yeah it's definitely evolved
1: a lot uh, since we last played or when we last played together in 2010 yeah absolutely like you know you touched on it there i'd say the same thing like we we finish a game and within a couple of hours you have the game to rewatch, or you get a statistical analysis of the game and you know statistics on duels won and passes and, and, and shots, shots on target, like all this sort of stuff coming in, whereas, as, as Gary mentioned, kind of 10, 11 years ago, I mean, I don't know if we'd done any kind of recap on games, did we, Gary, back then? I don't think
3: we did at all. I don't even no. I don't remember watching a video or anything like that on, on Teams. And then you have, like, the likes of the, the nutrition side of things, like that is, that's just driven into you um, every single day and how important it is. And it's like now you understand really you look back and kind of saying, "Jesus, what was I doing back then?" Like you know, yeah. prepping games and that kind of stuff. Like it's it's crazy to think, but um, that's just the way it was, and we didn't know any different then. Like it was, it was it's just yeah. the way the game has changed, and and you know, the more educated people get, and you know, backroom teams then, you know, you know, you had your kind of your your manager, your assistant manager, and maybe a, a coach, and then you had the, the kit man or whatever. But you know, some teams have you know opposition analysts, they have nutritionists, strength, and conditioning coach, all these separate individual. Yeah, and um, separate individual roles so they all have an important part to play, but it's all brings it together as one, and that's that's how detailed it's become, and it's fine margins. All
1: all of these play a part in in, in getting you to your end goal. I think the biggest one for me. I don't know about you, Gary, is recovery now. Like just, yeah, I would have wouldn't have done a whole lot. I actually remember when I was at Bray, I would have went to work the next the next day because I would have worked Saturdays and Sundays. So, you know now if I don't do recovery I probably can't train for half the week you know building up to the next game like you need to get in get get into ice baths or the sea or whatever it is foam rolling stuff like stuff that wasn't really around obviously the sea and all you could you could do that stuff back in the, back in there when we started but the likes of foam rolling or massage guns and things like that which are really prominent now like they just weren't around and they, it wasn't part of the the weekly kind of agenda you know yeah as much as
3: like you know they say like you know clubs are, are part-time that like you know the amount of the amount of things we have to do behind the scenes in terms of the likes of recovery nutrition all that kind of stuff you're you know it's, it's really it takes over your life like when you're a league of Ireland footballer, no matter what club you're at if you're taking it serious and taking it the way you should be taking it, it you're you're full-time and, and i don't care what 100%. anyone says you really are absolutely
0: you might just have to do a few hours on a job to pay the bills at the end of the yeah, week but <laughs> <laughs> everything <Whatever. laughs> around being available for training and matches 100% and I'm not even involved in it that, that closely and you can see it from the outside looking in uh, Gary you talked about fine margins and I suppose we talked at the outset about how uh, had just pipped you for that league and then Longford obviously went up through the playoffs how much inspiration do you take from their opening th- weekend in terms of how they got on against teams, maybe not so much in Drogheda's case but definitely in, in Longford's teams that would have been fancy to beat them and um, Going up and, and now the top two teams in the in the division in the Premier Division were in your division last year and you're going in for their spot I suppose. Do you take anything from that or is it really just a freak weekend? Uh, you can't read too much into one weekend's action.
3: Ah yeah, I won't read too much into that. Look, um, the ball clubs have recruited well. They've brought in some very good players. It's, it's like I said, it's going to be a long season and they'll need everyone. Um, it's um, you, you do need the depth of the squad, especially. You know, given the fact it's going to be all going well, it's going to be a full season this term. And um, obviously, last year was was quite short, and it was kind of a sprint finish from the start. It was never really that kind of long slog or whatever it was. But it's um when when you're when you're when you get off to a good start, it's always a good sign. You want to get off to a good start, no matter what club you are. And um, you see the likes of Rovers and Dundalk. Not they wanted to go out there and get their three points, get their season going, and. And try and get the title, but you know, it doesn't happen like that all the time. And then you look at Longford and Drada, they they both come up and they both get three points on the board, and that's just the way it works. So look, it's it's great for them, but um it's all about I'm sure Dino will agree with me. He'll say, Look, that's parked now, they're they're already focused on their next game, and yeah. that's all that's all that matters now. That's 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 it. But I'm not sure who they're playing, but it's the next game and that's the way you just look at it. It's the next game, the next game. I know mean, it's a cliche thing to say, but that's just it. You just tick the game off week by week, and if you can just keep getting your couple of points here and there, and you know, you're kind of forgetting about looking at people behind you. You're kind of looking at teams ahead, and if you can start having that uh, in your head towards the end of a season, you know you're you're doing well.
0: Absolutely. Listen. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Gary, and uh, the very best of luck on Sunday afternoon as you welcome Treaty United to League of Ireland football. I'm sure it'll be a a nice uh, welcome to the the seaside for for the treaty uh, side. Uh, I'm sure you'll be looking to give them a unhappy run back down the N7 to to Limerick and uh, the very best luck to you and to Bray as you hunt that title that just evaded you last season.
1: Appreciate it lads. Thanks for having me. Cheers guys. Thanks.
0: And that is our show for this week. I suppose before we go, we better run through the fixtures of the weekend, Dean, and we'll run down through them quickly because we are running out of time. Friday evening, we're looking at Dundalk versus Finn Harps. Hard to look past the Dundalk victory in this one, although you never know what could happen in this division anymore.
1: Yeah, uh, difficult to see past Dundalk winning. Obviously, they need to win. Uh, having drawn their first game, and but Harps will be coming in on a high, and uh, you know it'll be a difficult game. They won't make it easy for Dundalk. So, you know, early in the season can go can go either way. But I think just about Dundalk.
0: Of course, the other teams that need a victory now after the weekend's results. Waterford, they host Sligo Rovers. Victor's over, or they drew with Dundalk at the weekend. I don't know. To erase that goal from my mind, uh, Waterford, Sligo on fight evening as well.
1: Yeah, obviously, Waterford were just pipped at the end uh, by Drada, so they need to get points on the board. And Sligo maybe feeling a little hard done by, like you said, uh, could have had three points on the board, but you know, in this league, especially where a bit of travel involves Sligo going down to Waterford, you, you never know. And uh, yeah, it could go either way, but I think that might be a draw between the two.
0: Yeah, I fancy Sligo actually, I just think I, I Sligo impressed me on the other, at the weekend I just thought they did really really well uh, You're in action on Saturday afternoon 4pm in Daly Mount, you're playing Bows, they'll be hurting after their visit to Bali Buffet
1: Yeah absolutely, expect a big reaction from, from, from Bows and I'm sure Keith and Trevor will be working all week on, on them um, From our own point of view again, don't want to recycle the cliches, but one game at a time so we're we're just rolling into, to Bows now so need to be competitive, we need to put it up to them, uh, same way we did with Derry and, and let's see how we do in the end.
0: Pats and Drahada. Pats were impressive against Shamrock Rovers, Drahada, very very impressive against Waterford on Friday. Uh, they face off um, in the final Premier division game of the weekend, obviously the Derry game has been pushed back. Um, but in terms of this weekend, Pats and Drogheda, uh, how do you see this one fair for both sides?
1: Yeah, I think this will be highly competitive. Uh, Pats were very, very f- uh, fit, got around the pitch against Shamrock Rovers. very uh, competitive at, at times um, and draw it exactly the same under Tim Clancy. you know. So that could be a back-and-forth game. Um, I think Pats might just shade it, but we'll see. We'll see because uh, I know Tim will definitely have drawed up for it. So could go either way again, like we said with all the games because it's just so competitive and so early on in the season, it's hard to kind of predict form or, or how it'll fall out, but... You know, if you're making me pick, I'm going to shade it to uh, to Pats.
0: I wasn't going to make you pick any of them because obviously you're in, in yeah. this. Season, but if you want to suggest teams, I'm quite happy to, to let you go on with that. Of course, Shamrock Rovers are uh, due to play Derry as well next weekend. That's been postponed uh, because of international call ups. In terms of the first division, uh, five games taking place Friday evening for three of them, or for four of them, with that Bray and Treaty United game. As we've mentioned in the interview with both Tommy and Gary, taking place on Sunday afternoon. We'll start on Friday night Cork City versus Cove Ramblers. What a start to the season uh, for both clubs! A nice local Cork League derby. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic game to start with. And again, we're disappointed and missing out on fans because I'm sure that would be a highly attended game. But, um, you know Cork will want to get off to a good start. They want to lay down a marker, but I wouldn't underestimate uh, Stuart, Stuart, Ashen and the lads down in Cove. They they're always really competitive. They always work really, really hard. And I think the biggest thing for them is they always have first division experienced players, so knowing how to play in that division. Whereas Cork City maybe don't coming down from a long spell in the Premier Division. So interesting game that one there, and and the battle of Cork and for the bragging rights down in in Cork.
0: Yeah, and two of the teams that have dominated uh, the early predictions, at least Galway United shells, both full time. They face off in M D C Park on Friday evening as well. Uh, that's going to be a humdinger. really set out a kind of first bragging rights for both teams, but probably end up in a draw with both teams not really wanting to show their full hand.
1: Yeah, and like you said, it could it could end up shaking out to be a draw where where both teams are reasonably happy to kind of you know have a stalemate between themselves and then do their business. Uh, uh, elsewhere, but um, you know, John Caulfield done a really good job with at, at the end of last season, gone full time this year, recruited a lot of players. Shells, as we know, have a big budget, have a big plan in, in place for their future, so that'll be a highly competitive game. And and again, that would be a really, really good one, uh, for anyone that's tuning in on the stream.
0: Yeah, two teams that have threatened pretty well over the close season. UCD, they host uh, at Lone Town, at Lone have signed some really promising players um i really like what they're doing down there of course we we spoke to adrian carberry a couple of weeks ago but ucd have strengthened as well sam todd's arrived in from finn harps they've got a really good backbone of a team there from last season and we're kind of nearly on that up cycle ucd seem to come good every three or four years and uh this could be a, a, a kind of a year for ucd just to get in under the the radar a little bit what's your thoughts on on that game
1: yeah, again, never never write off UCD because they always have good good football players. And I think a couple of years ago we all thought, um, you know, they wouldn't be involved and they ended up winning the league with with a core group of very good players that you see now have gone to, to other clubs. And this core group again could be the same. They've got a number of very, very good players and as for Atlone, probably just about whether they can gel all the new signings in and get the right balance and the right fit early on and we've mentioned it throughout with all the other games, it's so early on first game for the First Division but so early on in the League of Garden Season that uh, you know, managers maybe not even sure, you know, are players up to full fitness, is it the right tactics, is this the shape they're going to go with, so if Atlan can nail that down, they could definitely go there and, and cause a, a little bit of an upset in the first game but I'm sure they've got goals for being competitive this season so be a good one to get for that loan.
0: Yeah, of course, the game we talked to Tom Murphy about Wexford and Cabin Teeley, that's going to be an interesting game. Cabin Teeley seemed to have kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit in terms of some of the, the, the experienced talent. They have kept some of the the names like Kieran Marty Waters is there this year and there's a couple of other names that with plenty of experience, but they seem to have Probably not, they're not going to be in the title shakeup. I think it's fair to say, uh, from what they were over the last couple of seasons. Wexford, they've strengthened, they've brought in a couple of signings too. Where do you see this one going? Will Cabo still have enough to see out a challenge from Wexford?
1: Uh, Well, the one thing I'd never do is write off Pat Devlin, because anytime you do, they just come up with it. They find a Rob Manley or they find someone from somewhere that ends up being really really good for them Um, we played them twice in pre-season actually and uh, you know they've got a lot of players and, and Pat usually does that he brings in a lot of you know selection uh, players for selection so again they'll look to find something they've got Kevin Knight they've got Kieran Marty Waters so they've still got some decent lads who've played first division football and they hope to find a handful of others that can come in and as we said when we when we talked to Tom Wexford have strengthened you know they're, they're going to be more competitive um, it's actually a big game for both of them, I think, because it could set down a marker for how their how their seasons kind of pan out. I think if Wexford are really looking at, you know, pushing on, they'll they want to win at home to Cabinteely, and if Cabinteely can again be underdogs that can crash into the playoff party, they probably feel they need to be Wexford. So, you know, that would be highly competitive. That one,
0: absolutely. In the final game in your own backyard, uh, Bray Wanderers and Treaty that we've spoken about on the show, two of our guests featuring in that, Tommy for Treaty in their first ever senior competitive match, men's match and Bray as they bid to go one better than last season um, mismatch in some respects in terms of maybe the resources available to both managers in this game, can you see the results being flipped on its head from that?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, now Tommy a little bit and know the way his teams play. He's actually got a, a core group of good League of Ireland players there and, and a couple of you know junior players that he believes in. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if they come and make it really difficult for Bray. But I actually really like uh, Gary Cronin and I like what they done last year. I thought they were the better te- the best of the teams in the league after the, the restart. So uh, I would expect, and like, like what Gary said, they want to win their home games and they want to win against kind of everybody to be the team that's bringing the game to everybody so probably would expect Bray to, to edge this one um in the first game of the season but as far as the rest of the year goes I, w- I wouldn't
0: uh, dismiss Tommy Barrett and, and the lads of Treaty. Absolutely I think if, if they perform as well as his Limerick FC sides did in the two seasons he was there with no resources also I think they'll they'll surprise a few teams this year and they'll definitely, I think we, we got a very Ollie Horgan-esque interview from Tommy earlier, I don't think they're going to be where maybe people are pitching them to be, I think they're going to be reasonably competitive in that maybe not challenging for the title but I think an outside bet for that playoff spot, maybe fourth or fifth place isn't beyond their capabilities this season. Uh, Listen Dean, we've run out of time thank you so much as always for that, Uh, it's great to have the the captain as I said of the team on top of the league, it's not going to happen too often for Longford so we want to make a bit of a make a bit of celebration about it when it does happen. Well done at the weekend. Uh, The best of luck this week. And I'm sure we'll be chatting to you again in a couple of weeks on the show.
1: Thank you.